dog in your life is thinking? Well, join me, Liz Murdoch, animal communicator, talking with the dogs and finding out what dogs want people in their lives to know and understand. I've spent my life talking and listening to animals. So if you consider yourself a dog person or just happen to have a dog, I'm here to help you learn how to talk or listen to the dogs in your life. I chat with people too, sharing stories and tips on exactly how animal communication or being a dog whisperer makes an impact at home or when working with the dogs. So welcome to Talking with the Dogs podcast, a place where we uncover exactly what dogs want us to know and celebrate that every dog has a story. Welcome to Talking with the Dogs. I'm Liz Murdoch, and today our guest is Vincent J. Musi, a National Geographic photographer who is currently specializing in dog photographs. Not only that, he writes stories about the dogs, part fact and part fiction, but they're great, entertaining, and you'll learn a lot about the dogs. So join us for our conversation about the secret to finding out a dog's story and getting the best photograph. Here we are with Vince. We are, he is here in South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina in his studio. I'm in Los Angeles. We met on Instagram and here we are. And I am so excited. Yes, Vince, welcome. Thank you. So you are a National Geographic for over 20 years, fabulous photographer that, yes, and you made a change. You wanted to stay home with your family, which- And you found your way, you were led to photography with dogs. Yeah. yeah correct? Yeah. And I, in, in your, in my research, it, I found that you said you were just sort of led there into this taking pictures of dogs and creating this book and telling stories. Is there any more you want to add to that about the storytelling that came out of it? You know, um, it was really kind of a, a boondoggle to keep my wife and I from getting on airplanes. And uh-huh. uh, my wife is also a photographer yes. and she does uh, different work than I do. And our kid was turning 16 and we thought, what can we do to not have to get on planes? Cause we don't do a lot of work in Charleston. Uh-huh. And uh, I had all of this equipment left over from doing animal portraiture for geographic. Right. So I've, I've, I've put everything from a honeybee to a 9,000 pound elephant on a seamless background all over the world. We build studios. And so I had all this stuff and I thought, well, We'll, uh, we'll photograph dogs, and mm-hmm. uh, who wouldn't want me to photograph their dog? Right. And it turns out, turns out nobody. So I had no customers. I had no business. I thought this was a really bad mistake. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started to invite my neighbors and their dogs into the studio, and we would photograph them. And uh, that lasted for a bit. And every year at National Geographic, we have this kind of uh, a business series of business meetings that's followed by a... Uh, kind of a chest thumping session where everybody shows what they've been doing for the last year. Uh-huh. And uh, it might be somebody who's photographed a snail for 25 years or somebody's trying to save the world's shark population. Uh, and I went up and I said, look, I've been in the doghouse for so long around here. I thought I'd show you guys what it looked like. And I showed six or eight pictures of my neighbor's dogs. Um, uh-huh. Embarrassed, honestly, because I can't compete in that world. And it, to my surprise, they did a story on me in National Geographic, doing photographs of my neighbor's dogs. I think they felt sorry for me. And so that gave me kind of the confidence to show them to other people. And um, 
And that's kind of where the Instagram thing started. My son and my wife said, you got to post these things. Uh, they're my two great editors uh-huh. um, and, and assistants. And so then we, um, I started to kind of write about dogs. And it, because in the beginning, it was going to be uh, the name of the dog and the year I shot it. Really very fine art kind of thing. Right. And my, my kid's like, hey, you got you to gotta write something. Right. So I thought, okay. And I think at some point during that process, the, it became more and more loose. I could write whatever I wanted to. And right. more people were interested in that. Uh, so they became little stories about my childhood or Sunny and Cher or uh, Laverne and Shirley. I saw the Laverne and Shirley yeah. recent one. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of like diary of a of a quarantine photographer and mixed with a dog. So how do I tie in some childhood trauma with a Labrador? And that's yeah. kind of the formula. So the thing that I start, cause I look at a lot of dogs. So I work as an animal communicator and right. I find out the stories of the dogs and, and I, in building my own Instagram and, you know, as you know, you can do your passion for you, photography and me is just talking with dogs, but then there's the business side of it. And I find that when I need pictures of dogs to convey what I'm doing, the photographs that are like yours people go crazy about on. And I think it's because in what something that you said is that you get the eyes of the dog and you, you know, you've understood from your years of photography that you get a better picture when you can connect with the animal. And that happens through the eyes, which is the essence of what I do and what I wanted to bring you on to talk about because people are, are still, closet dog talkers or closet animal talkers. They love the stories. They will hire me sometimes. Well, frequently people hire me to talk to their dogs, but then they want to just tell me their dog's story. And I think that's partly this yearning for dog stories. And I want to know about more in terms of educating people, because I, I, you're a, you're a photographer, but you're also a storyteller. You have a great TED Talk. If anyone wants to hear more about your experience talking with gorillas and Betsy the dog in Europe. But, you're very kind. Thank you. No, it, it, but it, it makes such a difference. I mean, it's entertaining. It's ha-ha. But as you know, because you captured the essence of these animals and you have for your career, that I want people to understand the magic that happens when we tune into the eyes and that they are liking your picture, but they're also getting something deeper. And if you could share something about that eye contact and what it's taught you over the years, I would love for people to hear that. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. I start there uh, Mm -hmm. with every animal uh, from them. So when I photographed all the other animals, that's the one connection I can make. Right. So even if it's a honeybee, I'm at that level and elephants and whatever it is. But in the world of journalism, it's hard to anthropomorphize these animals. That's right. Kind of That's not a scientific yes. approach. Mm-hmm. right? But yep. I've worked with a lot of folks uh, over the years who have made these research in cognition, which was the first story I did. Right. So I photographed yep. this parrot who was extraordinary. Right. And a bonobo that uh, uh, that I really could communicate with. And that really opened I was terrified, honestly, because I thought, well, everybody's kind of nuts here. And right. like when you hit that point with an animal and you go, wow, um, that's not a domesticated thing. It's not a dog. It's not something you live with every day that you can communicate. And I've seen it firsthand. Um, mm-hmm. That's terrifying. The dog thing, I thought, well, that's going to be easy because everybody has this relationship. They're, they're socialized. 
but I always start with odds. Uh, it's not, and I work backwards. But mm-hmm. my own wife also helps and she prepares this kind of dossier for every dog. So I know uh, how they got the dog. I know things the dog has done. If it ate something, if it did something wrong, I like that. And yeah. um, where it came from, what its background is. And, and you think, well, that's a lot of nonsense. But I use that to kind of get inside that dog's head when I'm going to photograph it. And I yeah. can sometimes tell from the write-up whether it's going to work or not with mm-hmm. the dog. I can tell when I meet them. Because uh, I'm doing a lot of things wrong. I, I don't have training in this. I don't even have a dog. I don't have that, like, sort of, you know, shouldn't make eye contact. You shouldn't do this. Right. I do all the wrong things. And uh, my wife and I work as side of a tag team. Right. Um, but I'm always starting there doing that kind of stuff. So you say you do all the wrong things. Yet... <laughs> People are crazy about your posts. They love them. Yeah. They touch their heart. It makes them cry. It makes them laugh. Yeah. You've got many, many followers, which is not an easy thing to do. You clearly, I don't think, are buying your followers. So you're no. doing something right. And I think that's the whole point is that when we want to connect with an animal, that we have to I mean, sure, you have to be safe and you don't want to put your face in a dog that has a background where it doesn't want, most dogs don't want you right in their face. But when you sort of acknowledge the basics of how to get along, but then you put the rest assumptions aside and just try and communicate and receive, look at the magic that happens. I mean, look what you're doing. You didn't even set out to do this. And your pictures capture the essence so beautifully because you're just going with it. Well, I, I really am looking for this um, heroic statue. I mean, I'm, I'm, I want to I want to bring to these dogs. Yes. Because, you know, they're overlooked, honestly. We look down on them. They look up at us all day long. Right. They're these most incredible companions people have. But we never look at them in the same way, like at eye contact, at eye level, in a very heroic kind of way. But to me, that's what's fascinating about it. And everyone is different. I could do 10 Labradoodles that are identical, but everyone will be different to me. That's and, right. Um, and how can I, uh, using all the sort of tools that I've been blessed with photographically, make that happen? And then the, the story stuff is an, an added bonus to it. And then, honestly, the unexpected part is, because it's kind of three points to that, is the, the audience is extraordinary that I have. And they write, and I realized that early on, when I first started posting, a guy wrote me from North Carolina mm-hmm. uh, and sent me a picture of his dog in the front seat of a pickup truck. And he said, I'm on my way to put my dog down. And I wanted you to know that because I wanted you to know how much your posts and your words mean to me. And that's been followed by uh, an ever never ending cascade of folks who write me every week about Mm -hmm. what this little thing that we do means to them. And uh, I'm so honored by that, uh, that I almost can't stop because I'm like, uh, I don't know how to quit. Uh, It was supposed to be a one year thing. It's on year three now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. And so I get a lot of public posts where people write things. I get a lot of direct messages and I get a lot of emails and notes uh, from other folks as well. It's really humbling. Well, I think it's really important work that you're really giving people permission, it seems, to respect the uniqueness of their dog, even if it looks like every other Labradoodle or every other. Yeah. It's like the, your dog is different. It's special. It has this story, whether you've made it up, there's truth to it. And I think that yes. you've allowed your, 
you know, the dossier, the information that you have, you've, you're allowing your intern intuition to mingle with it and your experience of observing into this huge gift that's like on top of the photograph that yeah, touches it's always all of rooted us. in. Yes. It's always rooted in some level of reality. And, and those are the triggers for me. Um, back when I look at the photographs or remember the session when we did it, and there's always something in there. If I ref- And it's always kind of hidden. It's an Easter egg for the owner. Yeah. Uh, uh, that seems funny, but it's true. Uh, you know, I've got books that have been eaten by dogs, and, uh, and, I, and I may write about things like that, or a fear of vacuum cleaners. It seems like a throwaway line, but these are all really rooted in that dog. But yeah. for general consumption, too. Sometimes people say, man, that's a really cool picture. I don't know what you were writing about there, but uh, it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would bet that some of the people would be very disappointed if they come for a photo session and they don't get the story. They want that yeah. story, too. I never promised that. I never yeah. promised that what they're going to be on Instagram because mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm afraid. And, and we have a lot of failures. Honestly, I post a lot of them, ones that did not work. Um, yeah. And then we get lucky. Even when it's a failure, we get like one frame or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't want that to be the reason that people come. My whole yeah. thing is about preserving and respecting this animal in a yes. way that you might want to put on your wall. And can I do that for you in the way mm-hmm. that I might've done that for National Geographic or somebody else? Well, I think you're doing a fabulous job. Oh, thank you. So do you ever, and I, I know that you have your National Geographic buddies and I, so I, do you have, have you, or has anybody else shared stories where they felt like the animal was actually telling them something like, wow, is that how often has that happened Abs- or would Abs- any, how, how comfortable are people to talk about that? Because scientifically it's not mainstream as much as I personally, from my experience, think one day, hopefully we'll get there. But what kind of stories can you share where people have felt like, oh my gosh, that was weird. I, I felt like the animal was telling me such and such. Well, you know, the underwater guys uh, and everybody that I work with. So the, the, the photographers in National Grid, about a hundred folks for mm-hmm. the world. And everybody has a specialty, yes. maybe cold water, underwater, deep underwater, landscape, polar bears, those kinds of things. It's very, it's very diverse, but it's also very specific. And that's how you survive uh, right. more than a few years. And so everybody is completely crazy, passionate about what they do. Uh, in the case of Paul Nicklin, he had an extraordinary experience with like a, a, a sea lion once or a sea leopard. I, I, I can't remember. And uh, it, it mothered him. It brought him uh, penguins to eat. It thought he was a, an orphaned creature of some kind. In, mm-hmm. in, and, and, and so I, I've seen that. Rob Clark, Robert Clark is a photographer. He's photographed dogs. I know yeah. he's had connections with animals all over the world. Uh, everybody's had a, a particular thing like that. And it's what brings you back, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know that it's, not, uh, that it's valuable what you're doing uh, yes. to spend that kind of time. Both as a as a species thing, but also I know everybody has made connections in one way or another yeah. uh, with these animals. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's reassuring to know. I because I like you, I get a lot of direct messages about from people who like, oh, can you teach me more? I want to book a, some sessions to get better at this. How have you? You know, I mean, you're very humble and, and you're so, but how would you think you've gotten better at assessing a dog and knowing, oh, you know, I'm going to cut it that 
you, you know, like in National Geographic, you, you'll stay for hours to get a picture. I, I know that. But with a dog who's in a room, you have to cut a session, whether it's at the vet. How, how have you gotten more comfortable at saying, I know this about this dog? How has well, that changed? So Geographic um, is the land of no excuses, right? right? You can't yeah. come back and say, hey, it, was, it rained, weather was bad. I got I sprained my ankle. Like they don't publish excuses. They publish yeah. photographs. Mm-hmm. So everything I've ever done is done under really great circumstances because I have a, when I work for them, it's fantastic. We're never really allowed to stress out an animal for right. a photograph. We don't use animals that are under control or drugged or chained up, right? Everything you see is real. Right. And uh, so that's my background. And I naively and arrogantly honestly thought, well, how hard can dogs be? And mm-hmm. man, that was really hard because if right. you apply that same thing on a stress level, you know that sometimes you are stressing out a dog and that's when you go, okay, we're done. Yeah, uh, exactly. Come back tomorrow. I've, I've spent five days with a border collie going all the way to bringing in like the uh, Caesar Milan of Charleston to help me with this dog. And I still didn't get it. Uh, yeah. Sometimes dogs are terrified of the lights. Uh, we use big strobes and it's very disconcerting. Here's a, it's a situation where you want them to be in a strange place with strange people and stay and right. not come to you. Uh, food is a huge motivational thing for us, but we play with a dog. Now we had a dog the other day that wanted nothing to do with me on the studio, on the stage you see behind me, where right. done every photograph there on that background. Mm-hmm. And he was stressed. I was like, okay, we're done. But they had to drag that dog out of here. He did not want to leave. He was like, oh. he still, he was like, like, he had a great time. Yeah. I know I got this guy's number. I think we shot 12 frames of that dog over three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas normally my numbers are several hundred over a three, two hour period that we shoot to get what we, that we're trying for. And it's really about, can we do this over and over again? And then uh, in a very repetitive way, I see, one more look, one more face that I did not know was there. And that's mm-hmm. often the one that I use. It's the, it's, the, it's the one that's slightly different that tells me more about that, that dog. And in the way that, I've thought about this the other day. You've ever seen those um, uh, high-speed things of a flower opening up? Yes. Or um, they take something that happens very fast and they slow it down. Right. Sometimes I feel like the photographs are like that. And that I see this moment revealed to me almost later when I look at the photographs that I didn't know was there. And it's, it's very human to me in a weird kind of way. Like there's personality and there's a moment and I go, okay, I remember that. And that's when we did this. And that's the look that I got, but I didn't see it because it was very, very quick. And, you know, of course, when you're photographing, you never see it, the mirror's going up. And so you're blacked out for a split second. That's interesting. So that's sort of like, I think what it's like having a conversation or an interaction, even with a person or an animal, we're not aware of what's really going on until maybe later. And we look back and then say, Oh gosh, she said that. Or, Oh, do you find that people sometimes are shocked at what you capture that they didn't know their dog had that look or they don't know their dogs. I mean, we, we all think we know our dogs well, but like, like in my work with animal communication, 
I will say, oh, your dog said such and such. And sometimes it's like you haven't opened the top left drawer in your dresser and there's something. <laughs> I've, I've gotten that, you know, you haven't, there's something special in there. I think it was a piece of jewelry that this woman had stopped wearing, but the dog was telling me that I know that what's ever in that drawer makes you happy and you need to open that drawer more. And she knew wow. exactly what I was talking about. But she didn't know that her dog was aware of that. And and I think that's what's interesting and why people are drawn to your pictures because you capture something different about each dog that I think even the dog's people might not be aware of. Does does that ring true? That sometimes, sometimes you know, it manifests picture? itself occasionally in that they find it unrecognizable. You didn't get it. Uh, that's not oh. my dog. That's uh-huh. yeah, cool, but right. it's not it. And I can understand that. And sometimes it takes posting a set of images for people to go, wow, that really resonated with your audience, with these people, and in a way that it did not with them, because they feel like they know them really well. And I'm, I'm sort of like, you know, stripping away all that stuff, you know, and I'm putting them under these lights, and, and it's a different kind uh, of look. And sometimes, they'll go, and, and often they'll, they'll pick the photograph that's most familiar to them, and it might be a tongue out and, and right. uh, a photograph that I would not consider my best. Um, Interesting. So maybe they're, they're not yet comfortable with that side of their dog that they haven't fully embraced or they don't know as well because many dogs, especially people who have multiple dogs, I find they want one dog to be more like the other or they're, or they've had a dog. Well, this is, we've had this dog for five years, but he's not like our other same breed or they look alike. They're just so yeah. different. And, yeah. it, and I think that's why people are drawn to your work is you bring out the essence of a dog that we as people sometimes have difficult because we project that we want them to be a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of that is just the subjectiveness of photography in that, mm-hmm. um, you know, everybody's going to look the same thing differently. It's, it's far from being the universal language that everyone considers it to be. It's absolutely not. Otherwise, we would all see exactly the same thing in every photograph. In, mm-hmm. in language, when we describe the color blue, it's blue, right? We know what that is. Or, uh, but in photography, 30 people look at the same image completely differently. But, mm-hmm. um, so there's room for uh, sort of understanding how these photographs can appear differently to people. I'm really proud of some of the ones that we've made that people didn't embrace. Uh, and then when we put them up, they're going, you know, that really was a great thing. And they're surprised by the reaction. Cause I honestly thought like, who is going to care about other people's dogs? Right. Uh, I get it that people would care about them if it was their dog. And my kid was like, no, no, you should do this. And I'm like, nobody's going to care. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, wow, people care and, yeah. uh, and still do uh, in a way that I've never experienced in 30 years of photography which is incredible to me. So I'm, I'm really excited. about that. Well, that's interesting because we care about gorillas and sure. we, all the other, all the animals in national geographic. So yeah. yeah, we do care about the dogs. So you did, you went and worked with the gorilla, Kenzo, uh, who talked with the, um, the car, the place. Kanzi. That's Kanzi. Yeah. Kanzi. He's a, a bonobo. Yeah. He's a, he's a pygmy chimpanzee. So you talked with bonobo and, that's becoming more common now. Have you seen the dogs that press the buttons? Have you ever yes. worked with one? I worked with a dog that had a, uh, a, a substantial vocabulary mm-hmm. in Austria. It oh, was um, Be- Betsy. Be- Betsy, not her real name. Um, yes. 
And I'd gone all the way there to do it. And, um, you know, you could show Betsy a photograph of something, right. a stuffed animal, and say, this is Randy. And she would make the cognitive leap that the thing you wanted was not this piece of paper, but the thing in the photograph. Right. Um, and go into another room full of stuffed animals and find it. And you'd say, okay, that's Randy. And then five months later, you could say, go get Randy and without the photograph. And, and she would go find Randy. There's a dog in South Carolina that supposedly has 2,000 word vocabulary. They tend to be border collies, those really higher functioning kind of dogs. But so if that's the top end, I think on the bottom end, there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on that we just can't interpret. And I think somewhat, and I'm sure you've seen this, there are these uh, sort of catch-alls for body language that I don't think are really relevant, like ears and things like that, always do not always give away what a dog is doing or feeling. There's just sort of defaults. Because I have dogs with ears relaxed and back a lot. And I know they're not stressed. I know they're not angry. It's just their look, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important. Not Again, not to make assumptions just because yeah. one dog is behaving in a certain way. It means exactly what the other dog is doing. Exactly. And yeah. going yeah. back to honoring their essence. And if I'm the other dog. Yeah. <laughs> which I often am. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're down at eye level so that they're seeing you as an equal or another dog. I mean, different than Sometimes. the traditional person standing. Yeah. Sometimes. A lot of it, honestly, is my wife is circling around and, and I'm grunting and trying to get this right. connection. And so at the end of a shoot, sometimes I'll go, that dog didn't even know I was here. Yeah. And I feel I'm, I'm disappointed. I didn't get acknowledged. The connection. I got nothing. Yeah. Um, she had it. Yeah. And then other times the dog is totally connected with me. And, I, and I'm and i like, I feel, okay, well, that was pretty cool. That yeah. dog loved me. Right, know, and right. I, and, and uh, you know, we had a, a little dachshund the other day that was like saddling up beside me. And I was like, I love this dog. I want to take this dog home. And, yeah. Because uh, he just, he, he, we were photographing his, his mate and he uh-huh. wanted to hang out with me and sit with me. Oh, totally he felt comfortable. Dog. So totally cool dog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but other times... They're not seeing me. I don't have food. I don't have toys. I'm behind a thing. I make the lights go off. Yeah, I'm not the favorite guy. Well, they certainly choose who they want to talk to on a certain day. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So what it, how, well, I have two more questions. I really appreciate your time. How has it changed since you've been doing this, your understanding of dogs and communicating? Well, it's so much harder every day. You know, the more you know, the better you get at something, the more you do it, you think, well, that's going to be easy. 10,000 hours, it's easier now. It's never easier. It's harder yeah. every day when I do it. It never gets easier for me. But, um, and then I get frustrated too, because we had a dog the other day, a, a beautiful dog. Uh, and I thought if I could just get that dog in one spot for just 30 seconds, I could really make a wonderful fun. And that was like two and a half hours of like, I'm not going to get that. Um, right. And so that's very frustrating. So the more you know, the worse it is sometimes, honestly. Well, you had a quote I saw where you said that you can never really make an animal do what you want it to do just because you yeah. want it to do. And yeah. I mean, a lot of people think differently. They think, oh, we just need to train it. It's hum- <laughs> It's the person's fault. You just need to train it. I agree with you because yeah. it, that relationship. But what do you say to that? Well, people say, well, you were doing something wrong. I could make it do it. You know, a lot of folks, and um, and I've never done this. I I work with really uh, animals under control, like uh, 
that are animal actors. Uh-huh. I've, I've maybe worked with one or two that are, were on commercial shoots. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, kind of life sometimes is taken out of those dogs because they're so obedient that yeah. you're not getting the personality. You're getting a dog or a cat and, and that's in one spot and they're going to look this way, but it's not really the thing I want. Um, uh-huh. So I don't have a lot of that experience. And sometimes those yield really graphic, great pictures, right? People mm-hmm. go, look at that. And they're like, wow, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I've never had that. I don't do that. So everything I get is earned. And um, it's bribed with food or toys or baby talk or whatever I got to do. If I got to sing to it or I carry a harmonica in my pocket, I play it sometimes. Whatever I got to do to get that connection or response, we're going to do it. We photographed a, a, a German short-haired pointer the other day. It was a very well-trained gun dog. Uh-huh. Uh, it was for the cover of a magazine. And we wore that dog for about two and a half hours. And the best photograph came at the end of the shoot with the owners were here uh, in the front, in the studio. And my wife was outside pounding on the garage doors. And, oh. and we got this look. You reacted to something. Yeah, but everything we get is genuine. It's real. It's not as a result of uh, obedience training and that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. But I got to have a dog that will stay in one spot for long enough to me to photograph, to focus that camera. And I'm old and slow, and these cameras are big and really hard to fo- uh, focus. So that's kind of a challenge, too. Okay. Do you have any advice for, that you would love to give people who are, you know, because I don't think you're giving advice when people leave your studios. Oh, thanks. Oh, by the way, can I give you a tip? But, but now, from all your experience working with animals and including the ones out in nature who you've gotten fabulous photos of because you've been patient, is there any tips that you'd like to share with someone who has a dog just to make their life easier and the dog happier that you've observed? To photograph them, patience, I think, is or across just, the board. Or just to in having a happy, happy dog. I'm sure you've seen dogs that seem sort of like, okay, here we go. I, I don't really want to go. Or just to have I, a happier relationship with their dog, a better connection, let's say. I will say that in every case, we've had really wonderful owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes their relationship is a little too close. And yeah. it takes somebody like us to break them out of that and go, just sit in the back. We used to uh, not allow the owners in because they were kind of like stage parents. Oh, and, they, uh, and, and, and a dog gets confused when more than one person is talking to it and trying to get it to do something that's uncommon or unusual. And so yes. if we're saying stay here and they're going, that's good, but it's like, no, that's really two signals. And uh, so we, we one voice but sometimes it takes somebody to see that other people can interact with this animal in a positive way. Because people say, I, ha- I can't leave. The dog will not do anything for anybody else. Right. Um, and you're really going to have a hard time. They're like, well, we'd like to try. And I would say, would you sit in your car for 15 minutes and let us try? And during COVID, that's kind of a, a thing we do now a lot, which is we don't want you in here because we're trying to keep it safe. But give us 15 minutes and we'll know if this dog's going to respond to us. And sometimes they are able to see that and they go, man, it loves you guys. Yeah. And they're somebody who's alone with the dog by themselves. Right. Uh, and, and being able to see how other people interact with it is kind of a cool thing. So um, the one person relationship isn't always what's cracked up to be. I think there's room for other interpretations and interactions. Okay. That's good. Let, let your dog have other people relationships or other yeah. dog relationships. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that's very can be a very positive thing. 
Okay, great. And what is your next project or what your new, do you have a new spin on how you're doing things? I know you said you're still doing photographs. What can we watch for more of your work? There's always pressure to do cats and I'm afraid Ah. of cats. I don't want to do cats. I might do them. I don't know. It's a different thing. We'd go to people to do that. And I've honestly, the shackles have been off in terms of the way that I write, which was always sort of a little bit about me and sometimes about the dog and that varied on that percentage. Lately, I've been doing these interviews with dogs where I just kind of have some license there, which I didn't have in the world of journalism, but I, I find it to be a really great, I'm really enjoying the writing. I never thought I would. And so that's a big thing. I'm thinking about this week, we had a hurricane come through two days ago and I had to buy a chainsaw yesterday and cut a tree down. Wow. And that may wind up being something I write about this week. And somehow I'm going to tie that to a dog and I don't know how. Okay. So you're going to just let it come intuitively. That's what I always like to encourage people. And people can go to your Instagram, Vince J. Musi, right? To find your interviews with dogs, which are so fun. And yeah, I just hope you'll keep doing that. And I think together we both hope people will try getting their own dogs to share their interviews with them at home. Yeah, I'm really with a great audience. I had somebody I wrote the other day that uh, a couple of photographers I thought were doing really wonderful work with mm-hmm. dogs. And uh, they said, you know, we, we started doing this because your thing. And I was like, that is so cool. Yeah. But, uh, uh, and I do think there's a, there's a thing there. And uh, if you can channel it, if you can figure it out, uh, it's a worthwhile endeavor for sure. It yes. has been for me. It's yeah. just the coolest thing I've done in 30 years of photography uh, wow. is what I'm doing now. Yeah. That's, that's exciting. That's exciting. Well, I thank you so much for sharing your time, your stories, and people can watch for, I'll go to Instagram and you promote your book. Your book is great. That came out the year of the dogs Yes. for more stories. It's fabulous. So we're lucky that you decided to stay home and it worked out with COVID, but thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you on Instagram again. Thanks for the support. Appreciate the kind words. Have yes, yes. Okay, Bye. you too. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Talking with the Dogs. Hope today's episode made you want to understand your own dog better and appreciate that every dog has a story and something to say. Subscribe now for more dog stories and insights into animal communication and what it's like to be a dog whisperer. Review this episode on Apple Podcasts or Follow Talking with the Dogs on Instagram or Facebook and sign up for a chance for you and your dog to be a guest on the show. Whatever you do, I hope you'll spend time talking with the dogs. Talking with the dogs.